0: I'm now going to invite Brian Miller up to deliver the sermon, and he's going to share about his experiences with Operation Christmas Child. Um, But he's going to be speaking from 2 Corinthians 8, and we're going to read that as he comes up. That's page 939 in your pew Bibles, if you don't have one with you. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also the completion, this act of grace, on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in this love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable, according to what one has, not according to what one does not have.
1: Good <coughs> morning, everybody. Special, uh, <coughs> sorry, uh, special welcome to our uh, visitors here this morning. Thank you uh, for coming and joining us here at Auburn, and uh, uh, we've had a very special morning so far. And um, my name is Brian Miller. Uh, for those of you who who don't know me, I'm one of the uh, elders here. And this morning, uh, I've been asked to share uh, on the trip that uh, my wife Esther and I took to Senegal this slide right here this is a quote that we were told we have our religion you do whatever you want with the children what a contrast to this morning already is that quote but that is a quote from the Senegalese government in regards to the children in their country Senegal is if you're not familiar is a country in West Africa small little country And uh, it's right on that western tip of Africa. 45% of the population of Senegal are kids the age of 6 to 14 years of age. But you do whatever you want with the children because we have our religion. And their main religion there is Muslim. Now you, you think, how can a country have that many children in it? Well, the Muslim religion allows a, male to, a man to have four wives. But if he wants more, he can apply to the government and get permission. And the bus driver who drove us around uh, while we were there, he told us that his brother at one point had six wives. Uh, he had cut back to four, but he had six. And he has 46 children. Just him alone has 46 children. That's how a population gets like this. <clears throat> and sadly, these children are not valued. They're not cared for. And the country lives in a state of chaos. There are millions of children, as we saw, 45% plus younger than that. And for not being valued, not being cared for. Some of that is intentional. It's very purposeful by the parents. They just don't care that much. But in other cases, it's because of the severe level of poverty. They just can't care for the children that they have properly. As far as living in chaos, that's not, that's that's not my quote talking to the Christian leaders that we were involved in. That's what one of the gentlemen said to me. He said, we here in Senegal, we live in chaos every day. He says, until the government changes, he says, we will live in a state of chaos and unruliness. And like many of you here, Esther and I, for, for many years, actually before we even moved to Peterborough, we, we packed shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child which is um, a division of Samaritan's Purse, we as a family have packed uh, shoeboxes over the years. We typically have done four shoeboxes, one for each of our kids, and uh, sent them in. And um, that, uh, you know, had kind of been the level of our involvement. Um, But this past June, uh, Esther and I had the opportunity to travel with a group of 18 other uh, people uh, from Canada and a couple from the States, and we took part in eight different distributions of shoeboxes uh, in Senegal. Now, the main two areas we were at was the capital city of Dakar, and then for the first few days, and then we went south about an hour's drive down to Embour and we uh, did it in the cities, but also in the regions around the cities. Let me tell you. That packing the shoeboxes, what you're doing is a very good thing. It really, really is. It's not. It's not simple. It's not trivial. It's very purposeful. It's a very good thing that you have done, and I want to say thank you, on behalf of Operation Christmas Child, for every shoebox you have packed. The shoeboxes are very appreciated by the children who receive them, but also. By those local Christians in those countries and cities that they go to. You'll see here in the next slide, this is a couple distribution areas that we went to. Next slide, Sally. Here's one of the local um, Christian men who helped organize. There's, there's organizational committees every time all these places organize. it takes some serious organization to have these distributions happen because like I said it's a in Senegal it's a country that lives in chaos and it takes some very intentional direct organization to make this happen and I want you to know that the members of operation crystal child truly believe that each and every box that is handed to a child is God directed it's not by chance, it's not just random things in a box handed to a kid, but they very much believe that the contents of that box and that box itself is God-directed to each and every child that receives it in what, at whatever country they get. These shoeboxes allow Senegalese Christians to do what they can't do without a shoebox It allows them to share the gospel message In a Muslim country 95% of the country is considered Muslim If there's no shoebox There is no gospel message for them to present to the kids Next slide Sally One of our team members, like I said, there was 18 of us. One of us asked one of the leaders right early on in our trip. They said, now, gifts. Are the kids that we're giving these shoeboxes to over this, you know, next week and a half, uh, is getting a gift something that kids are used to, something that they've occasionally got? Like, like what is it? And the answer was is that the shoebox that you give them Will be the first gift they have ever received in their childhood, and probably the only gift they'll ever receive their whole entire childhood. The only gift. There's no Christmas over there, there's no exchange of Christmas gifts. They don't even, for the most part, as a general rule, they don't even recognize birthdays. Like I said, how does a dad keep track of 46 kids' birthdays? So a lot of them grow up and they don't really know their birth date they don't know how old they are, they generally know they don't know exactly the lead pastor Maxine that worked with us, he said I think I'm about 50 years old but he says I, he says, I, don't, really, I don't know my birth date but I'm guessing I'm around 50 <clears throat> it was very educational for us uh, for Esther and I to go it was sad at times. It was extremely joyful at times It got intense it was a privilege to be a small part of helping the Senegalese church reach out to all those children and you and to distribute the shoeboxes I Think Esther and I could probably stand up here and talk all morning uh, sharing uh, different stories of the time that we were there <clears throat> but the purpose is just to give you a little snapshot of what happened here this morning because after all I think I took close to 1400 pictures and I don't think anybody wants to see that slideshow here this morning so <laughs> the <clears throat> so we did eight different distributions our smallest one oh did I skip I did. Thank you, Sally. Sorry. We're going to backtrack a little here because I skipped a, a slide here. I've got a short little video that I wanted to show. Um, this is actually, I think it's about one minute long. And I know you won't be able to understand what she's saying, but this is one of the local Christmas sharing the gospel message with a schoolroom jam packed with kids. Let's see if it works. Oh <laughs> As you can see the majority of the kids are very intent and in they're listening and she is so passionate with her, her, uh, her presentation of the gospel message. It's, uh, it, it was just great to be a part of. And we can go to the next one. So here are, uh, here's a collage of pictures. So our smallest distribution was to a school for five and six year olds. And It was about 35 kids and here's a few pictures of, uh, of That distribution next one Sally This was our largest we uh, We were told when we were, when we arrived when we were heading to this place that we were going to hand out about 350 boxes and I won't get into the full story because of time we ended up handing out almost 1,000 boxes uh, to this place because of uh, the way things came, so almost 1,000 to this one entire place. And uh, the the video was actually from one of the classrooms in here. Uh, like I said, uh, sometimes things there get a little crazy, um, but uh, when you're doing it for the right reason, it's always crazy good. The typical routine for our distribution. You can go to the next slide was, we would show up and it would sometimes be in a school or it would just be in, the, uh, in a large area within a community, sometimes tented um, or maybe in a shaded area uh, because, the, because of the heat and we would show up and if things were organized and went well, we had a play time with the kids. But the kids didn't come with play stuff. We brought stuff. We brought soccer balls. We brought skipping ropes. We brought bubbles. We brought things to make bracelets. So we had a play time with the kids. And then they would all be uh, gathered and settled down either in classrooms or wherever. And then someone like the lady you heard or this gentleman in the middle uh, would share the gospel message using a, a, flip, a flip chart as you saw a picture uh, an animated picture book to present basically the whole gospel message, which these kids have never heard before. And then it was shoebox time. <clears throat> Handing out the shoeboxes, distributed them to each of the kids, and uh, depending on the size of the distribution, depending on our interaction after that with the kids. When we were you know in smaller ones, we could help the kids open it. And you know, go through it, and you know, some toys kind of needed ex- explanation how to how to work them or put them together. Um, the distribution to a thousand kids, there was no helping them with the shoeboxes. It was uh, a little uh, little too much for 18 people. Next slide. The kids' reactions were were, were quite varied, actually. Um, some kids, like this little girl, very. Very excited, very overwhelmed. Uh, uh, But the overwhelming also come out in other reactions by kids. Uh, Sometimes they were very silent because it was the first gift they'd ever got. They didn't really know what to do. Um, I'm going to be playing a video out back beside the shoeboxes at the end there. Um, And uh, um, Mackenzie Cameron put together uh, a video uh, promotional video and she was going through all those pictures that I took and she said boy it's hard to find pictures of kids smiling and uh, I said yeah I said it was very interesting the, the, the kids reactions were almost a lot of kids like they were overwhelmed or because it was the first time they didn't fully understand or know what to do and so you don't get a lot of these pictures uh, but definitely um, uh, very precious uh, when you uh, when you did see those I'm going to ask Esther to come up and share. If you want to uh, go to the next slide, Sally. Like I said, we've got lots of lots of stories, lots of experiences. Is is this one on? Yep. Um, and Esther's going to share um, probably her her big highlight story. I only have
2: one. Anyways, um, so We were, and this happened in the big distribution, but we were in different rooms, Um, and you didn't really get an idea of how many kids, there were probably about 100 kids in each of the little classrooms, and the classrooms wouldn't have been, they wouldn't even have been as big as the kindergarten classroom downstairs, like, it's just a small area, really, Um, and There were about five, maybe four or five of us from the team in that room, as well as people who were um, leading it from Senegal. Uh, There was another lady on the team whose also name was Esther, so we were Esther squared quite a bit, and we were together in the room. Um, We actually had, when it became time to give out the shoeboxes, I don't know if you noticed in the video, kids looking in. There were kids still out in the play area because they were told to go into the classrooms and they would have been given a gift. Well, they weren't told they'd be given a gift at that point, but many kids didn't go into the classrooms. And we were actually taken out of the play area while the new boxes were coming because they wanted to encourage the kids to go in the classrooms. Um... So as the distribution started, the, the giving out of the shoeboxes, we set a row of about four people at the front of the class between the kids and the box, so the kids could get a box and then walk behind us and out the door. Um, and we kept saying, sit down, sit down, because once the kids realized that they were going to be receiving a gift, the little ones at the front were sitting down, but then the big kids at the back would stand up and start pushing forward and we kept going sit down sit down and it got to the point where there was a little boy at my feet and he like i just remember these big eyes looking up at me i had to reach him pick him up because he was going to be trampled with the kids coming forward now remember they've never received anything they wanted to make sure they got theirs so girl boxes with the girls on the one half boy boxes boys on the other Hand, started handing out to the girls we ran out of the girl boxes. And one of the team members, uh, Thaddeus, who's just a young teen, he actually did a really great job entertaining them, showing them things while more boxes were being brought in. So then they started with the boy boxes. And again, we ran out and we're like, it's okay, there's more coming. We discovered two boxes off to the side that were girl boxes. So again, the girls were dealt with, but there's still this big group of boys. And there was this young mom there and we're like, she had a baby who was about two months. And we said, the boxes are only for two years old and up. And she goes, no, 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 not for the baby, for me. I'm 15. And we're like, oh, um, and really it only goes to 14, but this girl's 15. And I'm like, I have a son your age and he's not ready to have a kid. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so we said, just wait, just wait. And we got through, we had one box left, and each of the big crates have about 20 boxes in them, like 20 shoe boxes. And I look at these kids, and it's Esther and I handing them out, and I'm like, there's more than 20 kids here. So we had told the young mom to wait, we'll see what happens. I'm reaching in, handing shoe boxes to Esther, and I'm just praying, Lord, this is your, this is you, this I don't know if there's going to be enough, but you need to make this work because this is all you. And I know she was praying because I could hear her praying. I wasn't looking. I was just going in the box, handing to her, going to the box, handing to her. So I really don't know what was happening because I'm just praying, Lord, please let there be enough because we told these kids there's going to be more. There's going to be enough. So I pull out the last box and I look at her. And she looks at me. and We look around and it's a young mom and her kid. And that's the only people left. Like the only kids left in the room. And I'm like, wow. (laughs) So I'm sure other people thought we were kind of crazy, because we just looked at each other and started bawling and hugging, and (laughs) I'm sure they thought we were crazy. But there was more than 20 kids waiting for a shoebox. And I only had one box, like one crate of shoebox. So that was pretty cool. If you want to hear other things, there's lots of other things, but... (laughs) But that's a pretty cool one in my world. So.
1: Thanks, Esther. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight one other story, and I've shared this with some of you. <clears throat> some of you probably saw it maybe on my Facebook page. Um, and I was going to tell this story in my words this morning, but then I received an email from uh, one of the ladies that was on the, the trip with us, and her church asked her to do a report, and she sent me... Uh, uh, what she had typed up as a, as a report and they did a little uh, promotional video with her her reading this and, and some of her pictures and She decided in her report to include um, The experience that Esther and I had and Because it comes from a total different angle than what I would have told it I thought it would be neat to share it with you guys that this way and so Donna wrote I want to share a story about something that happened on our trip We went with a team of 18 people. Each of us was given the opportunity to fill a shoebox, put it in our luggage, and hand deliver it to a child at one of our distributions. As they opened it, we told them that we had packed that box for them and that we had prayed for them. It was a very special part of the trip for my boys and me. Donna actually brought her three uh, teenage sons with her. <clears throat> but Brian and Esther, a couple on our team, decided to fill the extra space in their luggage with soccer balls. They brought one or two to each of the distributions and left them with the local Christian leaders to be able to use as ministry tools. By the way, a deflated soccer ball uh, with a pump and a pin is an amazing thing to put in a, sh- a shoebox. Some of the kids are a little unclear with some of the, things in the, I- some of the items that you find in the boxes. One of, the, uh, one of the girls at one of the distributions uh, started to use a glue stick as chapstick, and uh, a little boy thought a pencil was an item for cleaning his teeth. Um, but every child knows what to do with a soccer ball. Anyway, Brian and Esther packed all these soccer balls to give away so they weren't going to have the opportunity to see a child open a shoebox they had packed. Sorry, this is right here so um, or so they thought in a in a tiny, tiny Senegalese village hours away from the city Brian was watching a young boy open his shoebox and and this was a distribution of 250 kids that we were in and I was walking through making sure shoeboxes were open taking some pictures and I asked one of the kids if I could take a picture of him with his shoebox And I started to look at some of the items in a box, and they looked really familiar. And I called Esther over to confirm. Um, But in amongst those 2,000 boxes we handed out in those eight distributions, we stumbled upon a shoebox that our family packed uh, in 2014. Um, As she writes... 11 million shoe boxes are packed every year and God saw fit to have Brian and Esther see a boy open one of the boxes so sorry about that wasn't supposed to get emotional we can move on Um, so while I was preparing to do this presentation also taking on the main message I didn't want to take up the whole time just with pictures and, and stories from the trip. And I said, you know, God, where do you want me to go with this? And he directed me, and I won't say how, but to 2 Corinthians 8, verses uh, 1 through 12, which Ben read for us this morning. So 2 Corinthians is a, is a letter that Paul wrote. He wrote it to the Corinthian church. And in the first, several, in the first six chapters, a lot of it is instructional. A lot of his instructions to the church of Corinth on stuff. And then in chapter 7, he kind of changes his tone a little bit more to encouragement. And in chapter 8, it is, he continues on with trying to encourage the Corinthian uh, Christians. And he points out one of the big things. He's, he's pointing out the Macedonian church and how much they were uh, able to give and They gave beyond their means, as we read. In verses three and four, it says that the Macedonian Christians pleaded for the privilege of giving. Even though they were poor, they pleaded for that privilege. It was that important to them. And I believe we have several people like that here in our church here at Auburn, and I want to commend you people who are like that. Verse five, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God. So verse five, Paul points out, if you wanted to be like the Macedonian church, this is how they did it. Is they first of all they gave themselves to the Lord. They committed themselves to the Lord first and foremost and then to the giving to people. If we commit first and foremost to God if our focus is on serving God wholeheartedly then we will gain motivation to serve and please people. In verse 10, bear with me here as I jump around a little bit. Hopefully it makes sense to you like it makes sense to me to jump around these verses. Verse 10 we read, and here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give but also to have the desire to do so. So Paul's reminding the Corinth people how they were a year ago. A year ago, you guys were leaders. You guys were motivated. You guys were doing that. Remember? Remember how you were. It's important for you to remember how you were. And if we back up to verse 8, we read, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Kids always hate when you compare them with somebody else, right? But here, Paul is comparing them, comparing the Corinthians with the Macedonians. And why? To motivate them, to remind them of something that they did, how they used to be. He's not commanding them. He's reminding them and wanting them to do them to want to do it, not do it because Paul is commanding them to do it. There's a difference. And sometimes when we hear about what others are doing, that can be good motivation for us. Same thing as when we compare our kids with somebody else, the kids will will. We'll resist back. Oh, hey, I thought you said you wouldn't compare me with others. Well, sometimes it's good for us to hear what others are doing. And if we take that in the right manner, it can be a good motivation for us, a good encouragement for us. Verse 7. But since you excel in everything, okay, Paul is saying, Paul is telling them, you excel in these things, okay? He's patting them on the back. He's, he's saying, you guys are doing great in these things. What are they doing great in? They're doing great in their faith, in speech, in their knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. Those are some great compliments that he gives the Corinthian church. And I think from that we can draw a checklist. And I don't know if you have pen and paper, whether this strikes anything with you, if you want to write this down this morning or, or just refer back to chapter 7. But if you ever want to do a self-evaluation, if you, whether it's this morning or whether it's some other time, turn to 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Because as much as he commends the Corinthian church here we can also use this as a checklist of how our relationship with God is first of all how is the depth of your faith these days secondly ask yourself how is your speech these days are my words encouraging are they uplifting thirdly Are you increasing your godly knowledge? Are you getting to know more about God? Are you getting a deeper relationship with God? Or are you just kind of plateauing? Or maybe you're sliding, stepping back a little bit. How earnest are you about God? When you think about God, does it excite you? Does your heart rate go up? Where's your love meter at? How full of love are you at these days? How much love are you filled with? The the love of God. And lastly but not least, how is your graceful giving? Maybe you need some encouragement. Maybe you need some prodding like the Corinthian church did. Because we read, they were doing great things, but it seems that they kind of plateaued or were kind of backstepping. And so Paul writes a letter to encourage them to prod them on. And in verses 10 through 12, um, I've got a slide here. I've actually, instead of the NIV, I I like the way the message uh, reads. But first of all, In verses 10 and 11, Paul points out how good they were a year ago. And so he's encouraging them to pick up where they left off. Anyhow, let's read this. So this is uh, how we find it in the message. So here's what I think. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along You've got what it takes to finish it up. So go to it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can, not what you can't. That's very important. Do what you can, not what you can't, because you're not called to do everything. And finally, I love this final sentence the heart regulates the hands. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands, but if I asked for a show of hands this morning, who has a heart for evangelism? Probably a lot, if not everybody's hands this morning here would go, would go up. But if I asked you, do you believe you have the spiritual gift of evangelism? Probably not very many people's hands would be raised if I asked for hands to be raised. But the thing is, is there's so many ways to be part of evangelism for God. There's so many ways to be part of spreading the good news, the gospel message to others. Next slide, please, Sally. Today, I'm only highlighting one thing, Operation Christmas Child, handing out shoeboxes. And it's a good one. I really believe it is a good one, but it's only one. And I would like to challenge you this morning in regards to it to pack one more shoebox than what you packed last year for Operation Christmas Child. We have shoeboxes at the door on your way out and that's my challenge. Just pack one more than what you packed last year. Because these boxes are what get past barriers to the gospel message. It's unbelievable how a shoebox opens up a door to the truth being shared with people that live in chaos. And along with the shoeboxes, they have a program called The Greatest Journey. And The Greatest Journey is a follow-up to the shoeboxes. Once they've heard the gospel message, then the kids have a chance to join a 12-week program where the gospel message and the Bible and God and Jesus is more fully explained to them and they actually get a, a graduation certificate after they go through, the, go through that. Every shoebox equals a child hearing the gospel message. Every shoebox. And last slide. Let your heart regulate what your hands are doing thank you